Hong Kong. This is Radio 3. Morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong. Welcome to Wednesday's Money Talk on Radio 3 on the 19th of October. This is Peter Lewis with the day's business headlines. Hong Kong Chief Executive John Lee is preparing to deliver his maiden policy address this morning with the local economy facing increasing headwinds. Financial Secretary Paul Chan said earlier this month that the outlook for Hong Kong's economy is not positive at all for the short term and the city will unavoidably record economic contraction for 2022. Measures to attract talent to the city, increase housing and land supply and boost Hong Kong's status as an international financial hub are expected to be top priorities in the speech. Business confidence in the Greater Bay Area has fallen for the fifth consecutive quarter. The GBA Business Confidence Index, compiled by Standard Chartered and Hong Kong Trade Development Council, fell 4.6% quarter-on-quarter in the July to September period. A survey of more than 1,000 companies in the GBA found that business conditions are being negatively impacted by rising interest rates globally, China's zero-COVID policy and the property market slump. The European Union has advised the bloc's members to take a tougher line on China and limit areas of potential engagement ahead of talks on recalibrating Brussels' strategy towards Beijing. A paper prepared for member states by the bloc's foreign service calls for China to be seen as an all-out competitor and recommended that the EU work more closely with the US, deepen ties with other Indo-Pacific powers, strengthen its cyber threat defences and diversify its supply chains away from China. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Mark Michelson at IMA Asia, Sean DeBow from Your Eyes on Capital Asia and RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 On Wall Street, US stocks rose sharply for a second day after Goldman Sachs became the latest bank to post better-than-expected quarterly results. The S&P 500 climbed 1.1% to 3,720. The Dow gained 338 points, or 1.1%, to close at 30,524. The Nasdaq Composite added 0.9%, finishing at 10,772. After the closing bell, streaming giant Netflix said it added 2.41 million net global subscribers during the quarter, higher than the 1 million it had predicted. The majority of Netflix's net subscriber growth during the quarter came from the Asia-Pacific region, which accounted for 1.43 million subscribers. Revenue came in at a better-than-expected $7.93 billion, and earnings also beat forecasts. Shares of Netflix surged 14% in after-hours trading. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index climbed a third of a percent. The UK's FTSE 100 added a quarter of a percent. Hong Kong stocks closed sharply higher following a global rally uh, the previous day. The Hang Seng Index traded 302 points, or 1.8% higher, at 16,915. The Tech Index surged 4.3%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite fell 0.1% to 3,081. 
Electric car maker BYD jumped 5% in Shenzhen and over 6% in Hong Kong after reporting a preliminary 333% rise in Q3 net income as EV sales hit a record high. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 1.7% lower at $90.03 a barrel. Gold is trading at $1,653 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield was unchanged at 4.01% and the dollar was flat yesterday. The euro right now is trading at 98.5 cents. The Japanese yen is trading at a 32-year low of 149.21 versus the greenback. One British pound buys one dollar thirteen and a half cents and eight Hong Kong dollars and ninety one cents. The Chinese yuan has slipped to seven point two two in offshore markets, and Bitcoin is one point six percent lower at nineteen thousand three hundred. U.S. futures here in trading and here in Asia are rallying on that Netflix news, and that's helping Asian stock markets at the open. The SX 200 up a third of a percent in Australia. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up 0.4 percent. Hospin South Korea is rising 0.1 percent shortly after the open. But it looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose ground once again this morning. Futures pointing to a decline of about 120 points at the open. It's 8.08 and a half. It's Wednesday morning and sitting here with me in Broadcasting House is Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Peter and Sean. Good evening, Barry. And over in our Queensway studio, we do find Sean Debeau, who's Chief Executive Officer at Your Eyes on Capital Asia. Morning, Sean. Good morning. And over in Washington, D.C., as always on a Wednesday, it's Barry Wood, our International Economics Correspondent. Morning to you, Barry. Good morning, everyone. Um, Hong Kong Chief Executive John Lee preparing to deliver his maiden policy address this morning. Financial Secretary Paul Chan said earlier this month that the outlook for Hong Kong's economy is not positive at all um, for the short term. And he said the SAR's economy um, is being affected, especially by its exports, by the not very positive external environments. The government's revised down its GDP forecast for the full year to a range of minus 0.5 to plus 0.5 percent. Um, uh, Mark, I think uh, maybe minus 0.5 is probably a bit optimistic now. I'm hearing um, estimates now of maybe minus 0.7 to 1%. So it, it's difficult times, isn't it? It, it looks like it. Uh, you know, in, in most years, the government has has uh, has overestimated the weakness of the economy and of, of the budget and and over 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 thought the uh, the budget deficit but this year it seems to be the opposite now look we're in a a weakening which the, the financial sector has admitted we're in a weakening economy We've got a slumping property market and an exodus of professionals from the from the territory in a big way and so the policy address as the chief executive just said at the uh, at the at exco is going to focus on uh, on housing and land shortages economic stimulation livelihood improvements and and plans to further bolster the city's competitiveness, including apparently a special agency to attract talent and businesses to Hong Kong. This is a tall order, especially given conditions, but it's certainly the direction that Hong Kong needs to move. Any any particular measures, anything in particular you would like to see um, him announce this morning? Well, I, I think one of the things that has been at least rumored, and I'm not sure if it's going to happen, is is a reform of some of the government agencies and tries efforts to 
make them work more together and more effectively to try to attract these uh, the the people and the, and the companies and others into the Hong Kong economy. And that would be a big step forward if there could be a, a change that would really make a difference because that's where we're losing competitiveness. Mm. Other places, including Singapore, are much more of a joined-up government and much more effective at, at attracting these uh, attracting talent and, and, and companies to their uh, economies. Sean, what are you hoping to see in the policy address? Uh, Peter, there's a couple things I'd like to see. First of all, I'd like to see some announcement on property taxes. I think that that would be good both for sentiment as well as in the uh, volume of the physical of the physical market sales. Second is anything we can do to attract talent. And Hong Kong is a service-based economy. Uh, we're very heavy in financial services. We need to bring the best and the brightest back to Hong Kong as quickly as possible. Uh, COVID policy certainly is top of mind for everybody. We're all anticipating the zero plus zero, and that will be very important, both in terms of the function of the economy in Hong Kong, but as well as the sentiment. And lastly, my uh, desire would be to see government officials in Hong Kong really get on the front of reminding the world how great Hong Kong is and how uh, positive change is in the works. And that's going to require a PR offensive of uh, going to to their world capitals and reminding global investors and institutions and business participants that Hong Kong is open and please come back. And I think that's really critical. Uh, I agree with Sean. You, there has to be communications offensive, but you've, you have to have substance to that communication. You have to be honest about what the challenges are as well as what the opportunities are. Hong Kong does have an, an opportunity still here and we still have those the rule of law and the free flow of information and the infrastructure and the location. But that's the other issue that we haven't mentioned yet is access to China, which doesn't seem to be moving forward. Mm. And I'm not sure we're going to get an announcement in the policy address. Um, I'll come on to that in a moment. Barry, let me ask you your perspective um, from the U.S. What do U.S. investors and business people see as the attractions of Hong Kong? Well, I think that's pretty limited. I think that um, we're still in the phase of terrible disappointment at what has happened in Hong Kong and uh, I don't see any uh, any action at all in terms of boosting United States investment in Hong Kong or for that matter in mainland China. Has there been anything, I mean, we heard President Xi Jinping's speech over over the weekend. He talked a lot about, without mentioning the U.S. by name, he talked talked a lot about external threats um, and, and, in fact, being blackmailed. Uh, by sanctions and other things that are going on, did you get the impression that, uh, if anything, the geopolitical situation, the tensions between the U.S. and China are worsening? Absolutely. Look, there have been a lot of uh, talking heads here in Washington and New York over the last few days as we had uh, the International Monetary Fund jamboree with at least a couple thousand policymakers and experts. And then there was a, a conference in New York today. Uh, I, the, what I hear is economic cold war and that uh, it's not going to get better. And today in, in New York, Leland Miller, who uh, publishes the China Beige Book, said that you know with China slowing growth, attacking big tech, that there's a whole new paradigm over the last three years and, uh, you know, those words, and he's an influential guy in terms of the American business community, those are not words or assessments 
that would cause American executives to say we're going to go back into China. And add to that that U.S. government policy is dramatically hardened. We see it in the semiconductor restriction. So, yeah, I think the answer to your question is it's, uh, it's bad times and probably worse than uh, we had anticipated. Mark, if, uh, if the geopolitical tensions increase between the U.S. and China, Hong Kong is going to get caught in the middle of that, isn't it? And not actually something even that John Lee can address in his speech today. Yeah, that's a worry. And, you know, there have been some reassurances, especially if there are financial sanctions that come up, which we're all worried about, that Hong Kong might be caught in the middle of, that Hong Kong wouldn't be affected. I think we definitely will. But interestingly enough, we had a meeting of, of about 40 of our our members uh, on Zoom about a week ago talking about this very issue about the attraction of China and so on. And many of them said, yes, we're going to face challenges. We've got to make adjustments. But at the same time, looking at the alternatives, China still seemed pretty attractive for many of them. A lot of this had to do with the ecosystems and in other places and, and so on. Now, this may be so overwhelming that they may not have a choice. But of course, many of them are are having a, are different supply chains, for example. China-focused supply chain, one focuses on the rest of the world, if they can do that. So making adjustments. Sean, you mentioned we've got to attract talents to Hong Kong. That's one of the biggest issues facing us. One of the things to do then, surely, before that, is to stop the population dropping at the moment because we're getting a shortage of workers. Hong Kong's population dropped uh, by a record 1.6% uh, from the middle of last year to the middle of this year. How do we reverse that? I mean, anecdotally, my observation, Peter, is that we have lost some people, but we always see ins and outs in Hong Kong. What we're missing is the ins. We haven't seen a meaningful number of new people come into Hong Kong, and we also are just now slowly seeing the return of people who sojourned and went to other countries when uh, COVID was uh, reasonably acute in April, May of last year. And I think the, the key areas we're focusing is about banking, investment management, legal accounting, engineering. Those are the areas that we have to see fresh talent coming into Hong Kong. For me, we need, we need to see uh, the opening up of uh, the ability to come quickly for interviews without any risks of uh, detention if people are uh, positive for COVID. And, and, and incentives to make it very easy to come here, let your family see if this is a good place for you, and to attract talent. So I think that the key is on attracting talent right now in those five key industries. So do we need special measures um, to make it easier for employers to attract people in those industries? Maybe easier visa requirements, maybe the abolishing of the, uh, the stamp duty, uh, the 15%. Uh, stamp duty that foreigners have to pay on buying property? In my opinion, the key thing is to streamline the uh, the ability for people to come here for interviews and, and, to ch and, and job finalization. The second issue would be visas, but visas are reasonable in Hong Kong relative to other places in the world. There is a requirement for vetting that the position you're filling is not otherwise appropriate for a local person who uh, is, is not getting that job. I understand understand that there's a, they're taking a look at that. But I really think that the key is the first point, bringing talent to Hong Kong. I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely crucial. Some, some will come back. Some will come back. But others have, have made changes now. 
and it's it's not not going to be coming back. And what's happened with executives, especially some of ours, even those that are coming back, and as Sean says, they're many of them are back now, but they're going to be spending a lot more time outside of Hong Kong, not just normal business practices, but saying, I'm going to be three months traveling around, and not just because of COVID now, but just because they found a pattern and it's it's been more effective. So has there been some permanent economic scarring because of this? Because, you know, we have lost key people in key um, sectors. As you say, some of them are not coming back. They've made long-term plans now. Well, as Sean says, we have to find other people. We have to make it attractive for them to come here and have some incentives and not not necessarily money, but in a way where they smoothly can get there. Obviously, cost is pretty expensive still to to live in Hong Kong, but you've got to got to make changes. But I think that's important. And it's, it's a question where they'll come from, too. And but Mark, I think that when you're thinking about that, uh, yes, there has been some scarring, but there's been a meaningful change in the workplace environment. And Hong Kong's had to react to that. Some countries have been able to react to it more quickly. Uh, I think that the ability of remote working, flexible working, that has taken time to work its way into the Hong Kong business community. And in some sectors, a very large financial sector, work from home is less prevalent in other financial centers like London and New York than it is in more traditional sectors. So we are seeing uh, the fact that you might spend three months on the road to me, that's a good thing because nine months you're spending in Hong Kong and it's cementing Hong Kong's importance as the regional hub headquarters. Barry, um, we've got a big Global International Investors Summit coming up in a couple of weeks' time here in Hong Kong at the beginning of November. Um, around 200 um, leaders of major financial institutions are coming, including from the US um, as well. Um, tell me a little bit about how um, the U.S. regards Hong Kong as a financial center these days? Well, I think that uh, there's no doubt that uh, the American business community, the financial community, the banking community, they want Hong Kong to retain its position as the third most important uh, financial center in the world. But it's under stress. And I think that uh, you mentioned this conference. It's very important. But as you said that, I'm thinking, how are they going to get there? Are they going to come by uh, uh, chartered airplane? And I think some will, by the way. But uh, look at the American carriers. Uh, look at Delta. Look at American. Look at United. Uh, the flights into Hong Kong, just as into China, they're greatly restricted. So South Korea has opened up. Japan is opening up. Singapore is opening up. And China, Hong Kong have not. So, you know, whether we talk about uh, foreign direct investment coming in, you, if you can't get there, if you can't physically be there, uh, that's a problem. So I think that investor conference you talk about is very important. And if things, uh, in fact, are easy to get in and out, then uh, maybe um, all of these uh, negative views that we're expressing will change. Opening the borders, Mark, is still our big issue, isn't it? And it looks like we've had another setback on the borders being opened with mainland uh, China. There seems to be further delays on doing that. Yeah, it's symbolic, symbolically important, at least. And it seems that, you know, there are – and the delays aren't explained. So it's not clear what the technical difficulties are. But we've heard this again and again. And I think it's a reluctance to – to really uh, trust Hong Kong at this point in terms of, especially in terms of COVID policy, may be well-founded, I'm not sure, but at the same time, it doesn't give a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence going forward. And that's, that's really important that we begin to, 
you know, it's going to happen slowly, I guess, gradually, but to make that open because it's one of our key attractions, obviously, maybe the main attraction in some ways. Sean, this is all coming as our um, financial resources are also um, declining, aren't they? The deficit this year now um, is on track to be maybe about 160 billion Hong Kong dollars. That's 5% of GDP. It's three times what Paul Chan uh, projected in his budget. Um, our reserves are going to drop below or have dropped already below $800 billion. This is a problem, isn't it? Because it gives us less resources now to deal with some of these uh, structural problems in Hong Kong that are going to cost quite a lot of money to sort out. I think some of the problems that we are facing right now are problems that can be solved with money, and a lot of the problems are pro are challenges that can be addressed with confidence. Still, eight hundred billion for a country of seven point five million people, or a, a region of seven point five million people, is an extraordinary sum of money and puts us at one of the wealthiest territories in the world. So, I don't think lack of resources is the challenge in terms of turning Hong Kong around. Yes, nominally, it's not a great number, but I don't think the absolute number is something. It is really about the topics that Mark and uh, Barry spoke about earlier about changing this and pivoting this narrative. I will say that my understanding is that we are going to have an exceptional number of uh, global financial leaders coming to Hong Kong in early November. They will have no problems physically getting to Hong Kong, no problems in finding world-class accommodations. There is still this worry what would occur if they were to unfortunately test positive. But I think we are going to have a real wonderful event because some of the best speakers are coming. And as you said, they want Hong Kong to be successful and they have all the good reasons to have that. Okay, let's turn our attention to China's economy. China delayed uh, the last minute the release of its key third quarter GDP data and also other economic data for September. No explanation for the postponement was given. No new dates uh, were provided um, either. Although um, that there was uh, the top planning agency, the National Development and Reform Commission, did say China's economic growth has rebounded significantly in the third quarter and remains outstanding when compared with the rest of the world. The problem is we don't have the data now um, to show that. So what, what should we really read into this, Mark? Uh, it's worrying. I, I, I'm not sure because at least and maybe maybe we're going to see strong data, but it seems as if... From what we've seen, it's it's unlikely. And, you know, places like India are growing very well. I don't think it'll be near those levels. And okay, it's on on a lower base and so on. But still, all those situations we mentioned, which were Xi Jinping, as you know, gave his opening speech at the National Party Congress and didn't mention those those key areas and the emphasis on the the impact that COVID's had, the property market. Uh, and other factors have had on the on the Chinese economy and on consumption and other areas. China, I think, will recover and will come back, but maybe not very quickly, and maybe maybe not in the third quarter. Maybe that's one of the issues. Sean, as as an investor into the mainland, are you worried about the fact now that you're missing key information about the status of the economy? 
uh, I'm not concerned about this. It is something to be anticipated in a once-in-five-year plenary. Uh, as you know, around the world, when we have major events, world elections, etc., there's a curtailment of, of data that could, in one way or another, prejudice. But still, the market likes certainty. It likes prediction and the fact that this has occurred without uh, telegraphing to the market that this was going to happen is unsettling. But I would not say it's a worry. The focus right now is all about opening. The global econ economic uh, parties want to see China open. They want to see signs of it. And clearly the speech that we heard on Sunday didn't tell us that anything's going to happen near term and that's something that is worrisome. Also, the, you know, there's some signs of uh, food inflation. That's another thing that's causing people to worry. Uh, but at the end of the day, China is a very large opportunity for global investors and they continue to be invested. The question is, when will we see global investors who can have money anywhere at any time return? We, have, we do have these conferences, though, every five years, and they've never before caused a delay in key economic data. So, so what's different this time? Uh, we're going to have somebody appointed for a third term. That's uh, certainly something different, Peter. We're also in a period of geopolitical differences, economic differences. Th th this is a very turbulent time in both geopolitics and the economics, and I could see why they chose to do that. I wouldn't say it, was, it would be a decision I would have taken, but it's been done, and it's not something, if we look at what's happened to the markets in the last two days, that has really shaken the market. I think people are much more concerned about about, and, and considering the, the financial sector in China, what's going to happen with all these new loans that are going to be uh, extended? We've seen uh, you know, something like 20% increase in, in bank loans. And, and the, the concern there is more about what, what's going to happen to non, uh, not performing loans. We're also concerned about uh, the absolute fall in stock prices and real estate prices and how that's going to impact the wealth effect. I think those are the areas that people are really focused on right now. We are definitely in a new regime of l lower GDP growth in China, and that is very well digested by the financial markets. Barry, I'm trying to think of an analogy for you um, for this. Imagine that President Biden um, suddenly said, uh, we're cancelling the release of our GDP data because the Democratic National Convention is going on and we want you to focus <laughs> on that. How would investors react there? Very negatively. But I think, uh, as Sean just said, the markets probably have well digested uh, that China's a very different economy with a very different governing structure. So yeah, in the States, that would be a huge issue because it's never happened. People expect it, and they would immediately suspect interference because of political gain. By the way, we've got some of that in terms of releasing more oil, uh, the Americans going after the Saudis, etc. But I think that, uh, you know, you, you've got in China a situation where a frequent guest on Money Talk was quoted in the Financial Times as saying, no big deal. So they delayed the data. We'll get it. So I'm not sure, Peter. Mark, just final thing to you, picking up actually on a point Sean just made, we're looking at GDP growth maybe of around 3% now on an annualised basis. Have we got to get used to this? Is this going to be the norm, new normal now? Much lower GDP growth than around 3% maybe is the normal? Well, it's, it's interesting because you know, one of the things that became clear, if it wasn't clear before, is that China itself, the Chinese government, is not emphasizing 
GDP growth, not they want to grow, but at least not the, the higher number. Rather, they have other priorities and, and are willing to sacrifice to some extent, which I think is a recognition of the reality. What that number is going to be going forward, I don't know. As I said before, I think 3% for this year is is quite high. I think it's likely to be in the twos somewhere and maybe not so strong next year. But overall, China still has the, the wherewithal and the strength, as Sean has, has outlined, to uh, to do pretty well, especially compared to the rest of the world going forward. But it will be at a lower level. Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed for your uh, your time this morning. You heard there uh, Mark Michelson, who is chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Uh, Sean Debeau, who's Chief Executive Officer at Eurozone Capital Asia, and our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Friday morning at 8.30, it's the 2022 Policy Address phone-in. Chief Executive John Lee will join us in the studio to answer your questions and listen to your comments on this year's Policy Address. Presented by Jim Gould and Janice Wong, this is your chance to speak directly to the Chief Executive. This live broadcast will also be available on RTHK TV 31 and 32, our Facebook pages and Radio 3's YouTube channel. Get your call in early on 233-88266 to speak with the Chief Executive. 233-88266 for the 2022 Policy Address phone-in. 8.30 to 9.30 Friday morning on Radio 3. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Very quick final look at the markets for this morning. The SX200 in Australia up a third of a percent. In Japan, uh, the Nikkei 225 has risen half a percent at the open. And it looks like here in Hong Kong, the, uh, the Hang Seng is going to fall about 25 points when trading gets going. Stay tuned for Back Chat after the news with Janice Wong and Brian Wong. The weather forecast, uh, cooler in the morning. Maximum temperature is going to be around 24 degrees. It's going to be windy tomorrow, but then the weather will improve in the latter part of this week. Strong monsoon signal is in force, 22 degrees, 50% relative humidity. Times 8.32. Here's Mario Rourke with the half-hour news. Chief Executive John Lee is set to deliver his maiden policy address later this morning, and attracting overseas talent and fast-tracking housing supply are expected to be among the major topics. Various groups have come up with proposals to boost land supply and tackle the housing shortage, such as renewed private participation in building subsidised housing and the use of brownfield sites. Tsilai Shan is the Deputy Director of the NGO Society for Community Organisation. She says housing needs to be at the top of Mr Lee's agenda because many low-income people are having a really difficult time. Because I think in the past few years, especially under COVID-19, the waiting time is even longer than before. And besides, their income is reduced and the rent is keeping high. So it's very hard for the family to wait for a longer time. Health officials say an unvaccinated toddler is in intensive care with COVID. This comes as two new COVID variants surfaced here. Mike Weeks has the details. The Centre for Health Protection said the boy, who's just over two and a half years old, developed a fever on Monday and was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital for treatment. The boy was among eight coronavirus patients listed in critical condition. The hospital authority said more than 1,800 COVID patients were being treated in public hospitals. News of the toddler's battle with the virus came as Hong Kong reported its first cases of two COVID sublineages, XBD and BF.7. Meanwhile, Hong Kong reported 4,954 new COVID cases yesterday, 388 of which were imported. Seven more patients with COVID have died. 
The government says from tomorrow it will ease the ban on public gatherings from groups of four to groups of 12. It says the decision was made because the COVID situation here appears to have levelled off. The move comes as other social distancing measures are being relaxed. Robert Kemp reports. In a statement, the government said the epidemic situation here had stabilised since the peak early last month. It said even though there had been a slight increase in new COVID cases due to infectious new variants, overall figures for people being admitted to hospitals and deaths remained stable, while the number of new daily COVID cases was hovering around the 5,000 mark. And it said the public health care system could now maintain most of its normal services while handling COVID inpatient cases. Meanwhile, also from tomorrow, live performances will be allowed at bars and nightclubs. More news on the hour from RTHK.